0: What up, Clean Nation? Good to see you. Thanks for joining us live. If you're on the recording and uh, you're sad and you've got FOMO, just uh, search for our Facebook group. Lindsay can put the link in there. Um, you can come in and you'll, you'll be able to join live. But Lindsay, what's going on? Who's in the group and what questions we have today?
1: All right. So we are going to start with the John Zapata Restrepo. Um, he is a former client and he actually emailed us in uh, this week. He says, how do you get cleaners to care and maintain the standards we have set and do the job as well as I would?
0: Oh, I love that question. So first of all, I think you uh, put him to the top just because you like saying John Zapata Restrepo because it's a ton of fun to say. So I'm not, not judging, just kind of noticing. So, That's a really good question. There's a couple of things, probably two or three things I want to hit on. First, so just you said, how do we get cleaners to care, maintain the standards we set, which is very different, and do the job as well as I would do? So those are two separate questions. I'm going to give two separate answers. So I'll do the standards first, because that's the important one. So the first one is set reasonable standards, right? A lot of times we kind of get this weird, I'm the best cleaner in the world, and that's what we set our... Our brand is the best cleaner, but it's just a tough one, right? Because everybody says they're the best and everybody but one person is lying. It's just factually not the case. So we're training our people to want the wrong thing, right? If they really want perfection and cleaning, no one can afford that. And then we really don't give a crap. So I wouldn't, I would set the standard with the client of when you come into your building, you're going to feel great. And if you don't feel great, which you won't, because we're going to make mistakes. We'll fix it. We'll never leave you high and dry. We always got your back. That's a super reasonable standard that you can maintain and hold your employees accountable to and you can win on. So when something goes wrong, not if, because nobody's perfect, when something goes wrong, you know, it costs every everything on a plane costs a hundred times more than on a car because like they can't crash and they've got backup after, backup after backup after backup after backup after backup, and thousands of people making sure they do not crash. And guess what? Planes crash. So if planes crash, I promise you something's going to get missed in the building, right? Like you just have less, even with all the budget, we still can't make things perfect. So let's just set standards right. The problem we come in is we set the standard of, oh, your ba- your old cleaning company didn't do quote unquote a good job as opposed to understanding what a good job means, why that's important. We're just going to... Do- Butter that up with, oh, we're the best. We'll do a great job. We'll never screw up. And then when we obviously screw up, it goes over and over and over again. There's frustration. So first and foremost is getting clear on what the standards are for the customer. So set them straight, which is you're going to feel great 90 plus percent of the time, and the ten, the less than 10 percent, something's a little wonky. Just let me know. We're going to get you back. We're going to make you whole. So start with the standards correctly. Second, how do you get your employees to do it? Core values, man, right? Like how do I get Lindsay to be sweet and kind and show up on these with the added... Like I don't, we don't have a handbook like pre. Facebook Live, awesome handbook. <laughs> Lindsay's Lindsay, right? She was this way before she found me and she'll be this way afterwards. So you got to find people that are core values matched. For us, it's have fun, make money, be real and help out. So Lindsay does a great job because she loves helping you guys. She loves having fun. I don't have to tell her, Lindsay, don't be so serious. like, It's just who she is, right? <laughs> so to answer your question, A, we're not looking for cleaners to have our standards. B, our standard shouldn't be the best in the world because I've said it before. There's some guy in probably Texas who makes the best burger in the world and he's broke. McDonald's makes a crappy burger, but they sell a crap ton of them. It's not about quality. It's about consistency and brand and all sorts of other stuff. So get in line with your customers and and make sure that you communicate clearly what the outcome is gonna be and then make sure you communicate that to the cleaner and let it happen. So like with Lindsay, my communication would be our clients have to grow. They have to be happy. They have to get results. And that's it. I don't say, do the Facebook lives this long or do it like this or do that. I just tell her what it should look like at the end. And more often than not, we get that result. And if it doesn't, we we make it right for the client. So don't. if, if I was like, well, how can I get Lindsay to coach exactly like me? I can't. She's not exactly like me. But the reason I hire her, she's different than me. She does something better. She did everything just like me. I wouldn't need her. So the real question is how can we get clear with our clients on what we're going to give them, which is not to be perfect, but to make sure they get the results that they need. And then Lindsay can bring her special abilities to that, as can I, as can the rest of the team. So get better clear on the te- on what the actual outcome is with your, your customer. Make sure that the employees know it's not about a checklist or cleaning everything perfect. It's about the customer feeling good when they come in and take your whole thing about, I clean special and I'm the best and throw that in the garbage because nobody cares. Um, all right. is that <laughs> What do you think, Lindsay? Did I yell long enough on that one? We got another one? <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah just- no i I think that was great. So let's go on to our next question. This comes from Ab- Abdul Wahab. He emailed this in. How to deal with contracts as a subcontractor?
0: How to deal with contracts? So sub- that is a tough one. I gotta be honest. I don't really know what that means. Um, so I'm gonna Abdul. I'm gonna have you kind of ask a tighter question. I don't know what that means. Like how that's like, how do I deal with traffic? Like, I don't, are we talking about not having it? Yeah. We need much more details before we can, uh, before we can answer it. Let's, let's try another one, sister.
1: Let's try this one. He actually sent in another one. Let's try this. Need to understand pricing formula for quotation offices, daycare, house, et cetera.
0: Okay. So pricing is something that people look at, um, I would say the wrong way. We're looking for a formula as opposed to an understanding of how pricing works. How pricing needs to work is cost of goods sold. What does it cost? So if I I if I, I did have a car dealership and we didn't have a pricing formula, we had everything was based on cost of goods sold. What do we own the car for? Right. So there wasn't a formula because it just didn't work that way. So really what we're looking for with our cleaning is a cost of goods sold. So basically profit is. Revenue minus expense minus cost of goods sold. Whatever is not a cost of goods sold or an expense is left over for you. Cost of goods sold is what it costs to provide the service. You got to pay labor and payroll tax and workers comp, all that good stuff. So you want to know what that percentage is. And if you have an 80% cost of goods sold, well, there's only 20% left over for profit and overhead let's say you have a 20% cost of goods sold. So say it's $100, You know this this thing costs $100 in labor to get clean and you charge $120. So that's only 20 bucks for profit and, and expenses. And there's probably going to be more than $20 worth of expenses. However, if you have that same $100 cost to clean, you charge $300, your cost of goods sold is now 33%. And there's probably plenty of money left over for expenses and overhead. So all that to say, um, I would... The easiest way is just to multiply your cost times two. So you have 50% for cost of goods sold, 50% for uh, profit and overhead. And you can even split that in half. 25% goes to me, 25% goes to uh, uh, expenses to to make sure everything happens. We teach our clients actually 45% cost of goods sold because we like a 30% profit. But the big thing is you want to move your thinking from some sort of formula to what does it cost to get it done? Divide that by the percentage cost of goods sold you want. So if you have it's going to cost me $100 and you want a 50% cost of goods sold. You divide 100 by 50%. What a bang, what a bang. You got 200 bucks. That makes sense, Lindsay? Was that way too much math and way too little time?
1: No, no. I think that was perfect, actually. That is still a formula. It still makes sense. That's a great starting point for people to really break it down.
0: Okay, All cool. Right. We got time. What's, what's next?
1: All right. So let's see here. Um, here's a great one that Brandy from Facebook asked, is how can I build a strong online presence for my cleaning business, including a website and social media strategy?
0: So that's the thing about that. Again, I we kind of talked about this a couple of lives ago. People ask the wrong question. So, I mean, there's a thousand ways to build this. I mean, there's, you know, goodness, we I could teach for a week on how to build a social media strategy or online brand. The problem is most people don't ask why. So if I were coaching you live, I'd go, why do you want to do this? And most of the time we say things like to build my business, to build my brand, it's going to make me rich. But in the reality, what we really, we think that, but really the driving force is, so my in-laws will think I've got a successful business, right? So I can look appropriate to the world. So if your goal is to be successful, hire someone that's got a you know, you can throw a lot of money. You can be really rich and famous or not rich, but you can be real famous on, on, on the interwebs just throw a bunch of money at make a bunch of content yada yada but if you're really trying to grow your cleaning company keep in mind guys gals like our i don't know we're, we're a very little nichey company and i think our instagram followers are 15,000 of those 15,000 followers i'm in scottsdale i'll bet you less than 100 are in phoenix arizona or scottsdale arizona so if i was if i had a local service company and i had a million followers but only 86 of them were in my city what am I doing? It's just all for brand. So a lot of people, or it's all just for ego, I should say. Brand is good, ego's not so much. So most people don't want to do what I would consider the real work, and it can be hard work, but it's the real work of creating a market, of doing the thinking. What is my goal? So start with what kind of profit do I want? What kind of revenue? Uh, and people always start with revenue. Again, that's another ego number. How much profit do I want? And just say your profit's 25%. So if I want to make 10 grand a month, you divide that by four. Well, I need $40,000 in revenue how many clients do i have or right, what's my revenue now it's 20 grand okay i need to add $20,000 in revenue what's my average client well it's 500 bucks okay well i need to add 40 clients <laughs> like you need to break that down and like okay where am i going to get a client so there's a lot of like how can i have a fancy name on you know how can i have an online presence nobody wants an online presence we want profit we want cash so screw the online presence screw the social media presence and build a funnel that's going to get the right i'd rather have an online presence to 250 people that are my perfect prospects and 250,000 with none of my perfect prospects. So I would shift my focus to what is my real goal and then really make a plan that matches your goal and having, quote unquote, a strong online presence. And everyone's like a website. Websites are garbage until somebody goes to the, you know, they have spent all this money on a website. Like, how much traffic did you get? Like, 32 visitors. Okay, what are we doing here? Like, there's that, that nothing. And how many of those 32 visitors? 33 of them were probably bots from India. Like, they're not even real people. So people get all nutty about a website and they don't realize they're marketing to their friends and family. So I can go, hey, Lindsay, I started my new cleaning company. She's like, that sounds janky. I'm like, go to mikescleaningcompany.com and it looks fancy and shiny. She's like, good job, Mike. You've got a real company. I haven't made any money. I'm just fooling around. I'm just trying to make myself feel better. So probably not the most satisfying answer, but if you're looking to grow a cleaning company, focus on growing a cleaning company, not an online brand and a website and a bunch of other garbage you don't need. Hey, amazing people. You may have noticed we don't sell a dadgum thing on this podcast. We don't allow ads. The only ask I can ever have of you guys is if you dig the show for you to spread the word and share so we can change as many lives as possible. Literally, it'll take you five seconds to give us a great review. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate you as a listener and value the gift of your kind words. Now, back to the show.
1: All right, Mike, we got, we got a... Good question. And it's a little bit long, but I think this will be beneficial. That's a little more in the weeds, but it's so good. I'm just going to ask it. Um, Mm -hmm. All right. So Rachel from Lemur cleaning services emailed in and she said, you mentioned that we need a floater for every four to six cleaners. I am ready to hire floater and I am looking for tactical tacticals and caps. Tips. (laughs) Tips. <laughs> I only have W-2 employees and pay them a percentage. They work solo and we do not have an office.
0: Okay. So I didn't really hear any of that being super relevant uh, unless I'm missing something, Lindsay, other than how do I hire a floater? What are the actual tax ways oh. I hire a floater? Is that right?
1: <laughs> yes. And there's follow-up questions too. I just saw I pasted more here. How can I ensure that the floater will be available when I need him or her? Should I consider paying a minimum wage for
0: being okay? So let me just answer call. the question. So a lot of times people are like, "How do I do this?" and it's got to work like this. And here's how I'm doing it, and I don't want to do anything different. I'm like, "Well, then do what you want to do." So if the question is how do I, so if you have a bunch of rules about how to run, then do your run your company the way you want to run it. But the way we do it, you can make millions of dollars. It's is a great way. So I'm not going to get into the weeds of I do it this way because it, a it's got to be valuable for the whole community, and b. If you're like, I need to run a cleaning company, but I have to price like this and I have to pay my people like this. And I'm only going to do that. and I only work on Tuesdays. How do I be successful? I'm like, I don't know. Stop making all these crazy rules. So good news is we definitely want to be able to hire a floater. Um, Honest to goodness, you can go out looking for a floater. Well, first of all, let's just define what that is. And again, just like with the last question, let's define what the goal is first. The goal is to never, ever, 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 ever have to clean, never think you have to clean and make sure all of your clients get paid first. Uh, or not pay, get paid first. All of your clients get taken care of first. Right. So, the way that we do that is again, the floater is not even the first line of defense. The first line of defense is how many hours are our people working? How many people do we have? So, a lot of times we're looking for a floater, but we've got three employees all working 38 to 45 hours a week. And it's like a floater ain't going to fix that. You don't have enough people. So, before we even get to floaters, a lot of stuff should happen beforehand. A, make sure your customers are profitable, right? Because if there's a bunch of unprofitable customers, get them out before we hire floaters to cover a thing that doesn't even make any profit. So again, a lot of the stuff goes together. So A, make sure you've got the right customers and you're profitable. B, make sure that your people are working less than 20 hours a week. If you've got people working 30, 40 hours a week, even 25 hours a week, hire more people. You don't need a floater yet because you only need a floater when someone calls out and you don't have anyone to cover. So if I'm working three hours a day, Say I've got 10 people and there's 100 hours of cleaning a week and I've got 10 employees. Well, each employee is going to work about 10 hours. If two people quit, now I've got eight employees working 100 hours. They just work eight hours. It's, you see what I'm saying? It's like not that big of a deal. Or wait, how'd that work? 100 hours, only eight people. I can't do the math. 8.33 or something like that. They, it doesn't. It's not a big deal. But if I've got 100 hours and I've got five people working 40 hours each, one dude quits. Now the four people got to all work am I doing my math right? My brain isn't working.
1: I'm terrible at public math. I'm
0: I'm terrible at private math. God forbid doing (laughs) it live. So if you've got people working a hundred hours, you've got a hundred hours of cleaning and you've got two cleaners, each cleaner works 50 hours. One dude isn't there. The other guy can't clean a hundred hours that week. Right? Say you're like, well, what if I only have three? Okay. Now you've, they're each working 33 hours, but if one dude quits, they both have to work 50. Like it's too many freaking cleaners or too few freaking cleaners, too many hours. But if each guy's only working um, 15 hours and one guy calls out, well, then the other guys, they move up to 18 hours. Like it's not a big of emergency. So step one is really make sure you've got enough cleaners to be doing the job. Also, the more cleaners you have, the more competition, the more, there's just, there's a lot of benefits it. we don't have to get into. So that said, make sure that you've got your kind of egg, your, your, you know, all your uh, ducks in a row before you start hiring floaters. That said, when you've got a good hiring funnel coming on, you don't really have to go specifically for flo- floaters. You can just find people that got a good employees and they're a good employee, but the needs that you have for a regular employee doesn't work. They could be a floater. Or in the interview process, you find someone the same thing. You don't think they'd be a good fit. for Regularly, they could be a floater. My favorite way to get a floater. And again, all this is just having a good hiring funnel. If you've got a good automated hiring funnel, you'll have floaters. So what you do is when you're all full and everyone thinks they're full way before you know, they need six cleaners, they got two, and they're like, I'm full. They're not, you need four more. So you've got six cleaners, everybody's working 13, 14, 15, 16 hours a week. Um, what you do is the next person that wants in, because your hiring funnel keeps running, you go, Boy, Lindsay, I'd love to hire your great core values match, but we just have so much interest in that in this job. There's just not enough more people want in than we can hire. So if you want to be a floater, I can put you on the bench. And um, once either we get some new accounts, which you're constantly taking on, or somebody quits or calls in, boom, you can be called in the big leagues. But to earn your way into the squad, you've got to be a floater for a while, and that really um, increases the cost of getting in. And the the higher it costs to get in, the more perceived value there is. Um, in terms of pay, you can just, there's a couple ways you can do it. Uh, if they're on that situation, you just pay them. Like, hey, that's the, you know, you get whatever the regular alley rate is. If you want someone that's a dedicated floater, you could pay them a higher wage. Like, if it's average 20 bucks in your area, like it's 25 bucks, but you have to show up, right? And if you don't show up, you don't get paid. Uh, or you could be like, hey, at the end of the month, if you show up every time I call, I'll give you a $250 bonus and you just work for the regular wage. But anytime I call and you don't show up, you don't get your bonus. So how you compensate them is not big of a deal, but my that big of a deal. But my favorite way is have a good hiring funnel and get to the point where you're still running your funnel. You just don't have room. And now they're on the backup. You know, they have to work their way into the squad. So hopefully that was tactical enough. Um, that was a bit of a long one. I think we got time for one more, sister.
1: All right. Let's do a short and sweet one. Ahmad Ataya emailed in and asked, what are the top three strategies to retain long-term clients in the cleaning industry, especially post-pandemic?
0: Yeah, really good question. So first of all, believe it or not, that starts with the sales process. Everybody kind of focuses on cleaning quality, but it's just like we said earlier in the broadcast, if you don't set expectations right, it doesn't matter how great you are, right? So if We took you on as a client. And I said, you're going to make a million dollars the next two weeks. And all I did was quadruple your business and get you out of cleaning forever. You're still going to be pissed because I I didn't deliver as promised. So the biggest thing is most of the time people, when they give a bid or take a new client, they let the client lead. And the clients can say, I want the most cleaning for the least amount of money. And we're going to say things like, we are the best cleaning for the least amount of money. And then they're unhappy and we don't understand and they take us for granted and, and it just doesn't work. And then there's high churn both ways. We don't like them. They don't like us. It sucks. But if we really help them in the sales process, understand what problem they're solving, which none, none of their competitors have done and why they're in pain now and what's where that pain is coming from and what their actual life <clears throat> looks like and what having a bad cleaner is costing them right now and what their life could and should look like if they got this problem solved. Once they're clear on that, all you have to do is deliver on that promise and the turnover is going to go way down because. Everyone else is just going to be, we have the most cleaning for the least money. So you've got to kind of shift that narrative from least money, most clean to, I understand your problem. More importantly, you understand your problem and we're uniquely suited to solve that problem. Because when you try and get a competitive bid, they're not even going to know what that problem is or know how to talk about it. Whereas we talk about it. So really it starts with the sales process, getting crystal clear on what their problem is. Um, and then making sure you fulfill on what you say, right? If you do a crappy job, there's always going to be turnover. But believe it or not, again, if the deal is we both understand your problem, I'm going to fix it. I'm not perfect. I'm going to make a mistake. But if I do, let me know and I'll make you whole again. You can still make mistakes and still maintain the job, but you've just got to keep communicating what you've got to keep communicating r- realistic expectations and helping through the process. So believe it or not, low churn and low turnover starts with a good sales process. People think it starts with more cleaning. It doesn't. It starts with a sales process. Once you set that right, if you just maintain the relationship and fulfill on your promise, you should have very low churn. And by the way, we're not looking for zero. Sometimes clients, a new guy comes in and he's a pain in the ass and we don't want him anymore. Or, you know, we need to raise price and then I want to do it. So zero churn is not the goal, but we definitely want low churn. All right, um, before I turn over to Lindsay to close us, if you have a question, you're like, I want to play. I want I want Mike to yell at me at, uh, live and on on in person. email support at girlmycleaningcompany.com. I think Lindsay gets those or they get to Lindsay somehow and she will um, put you on and we will do our best to uh, to help. Lindsay, any uh, parting words for the, the home team?
1: For the home team. Uh, no parting words, just a quick shout out to John Zapata Restrepo. Thanks for showing up, John, and thanks for your question. And don't forget, we will read questions live if you show up on Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific with us. So that's my spiel.
0: Beautiful. All right, guys. Uh, if you need anything else, go to growmycleaningcompany.com. Bunch of free stuff there. Check out our free Facebook group. See you soon. Well, here we are at the end of the podcast, and you made it. Great job. I'm the only one who responds to these texts and I will personally respond to everyone I possibly can as long as uh, this number is manned. Don't know how long we're gonna keep this at the end of the podcast, so grab it now. 602-932-6431. Give me a text, say hey, can't wait to meet you.